You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Loyalty's my favorite characteristic of God, but finding it in it is hard. It's like trying to find God. You're the only one in your camp with cheese. You pay for everything they eat. Man, that insecurity is deep. Now I ain't said no names. These are just theories if you hear me, baby. It's home. You must admit it's kind of eerie, baby. Like them chemtrails in the sky. Grand Rising, everybody. Welcome to the day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday, and it's going to be a wonderful Wednesday in the works for all of y'all. I'm really excited. We got some amazing guests up today. I get to talk to Jeffrey Cornelius from Dear Evan Hansen, uh, an an acclaimed musical that is hitting Paramount Theater next week. I'm excited that I get to talk with him about this phenomenal show. And later on in the show, I'm excited because Martin Bakari's in the building as well. I get to talk with him about the A Thousand Splendid Sons amazing opera that I I already got to see. I get to talk to him about that and an upcoming recital he has going on. But of course, it's the top of the show, y'all. So it's a great time to tag and share the stream. That's right. Now is your turn to participate by tagging and sharing the stream with folks you feel could benefit from a daily dose of dopeness right here on The Day with Trey. And if you can't watch us, we do have you covered because you can listen to us anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Just search Converge Media Network working the day with Trey. Y'all will find me on Google, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, SoundCloud, whichever one is your favorite. Search for us on your favorite platform. Y'all will find us there. Well, today is the first day of March. So we're starting with a whole new month, but we're also starting with some celebration energy in the building. Look at someone who is celebrating a very special day today. <laughs> That's right. The man right here, our guy, my director, and so much more for this amazing Converge team. Curtis Cuddy Delgado. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Shout out to Cuddy. Uh, he does so many phenomenal things around here. Not only does he do things behind the camera, but y'all saw him right there. You've seen him before in front of the camera. Talented young brother. Just it's amazing to see him grow here and I get to experience his dopeness every day as the director for the day with Trey. So I'm so glad uh, that we get to celebrate him today. Happy birthday, Cuddy. We love you. Uh, Well, I want to get right into it because Jeffrey has some great things that he is ready to share with us about this show that is coming to Paramount Theater very soon. Dear Evan Hansen. What's up, Jeffrey? How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I am well. So great to be with you today. Thank you for making time in your schedule to join us here on The Day with Trey. Uh, This is one of those shows that folks know about because it has won several awards, all of the things, super acclaimed. Uh, Tell us a bit about your journey, uh, you know, as an actor and a musician. Tell us a bit about your journey before we dive into this amazing show. So I'm from uh, Jackson, Mississippi, um, and I grew up in a musical family. Everybody in my family, I, I sang in church. I played in church, um, I, and I went to the local art school, Power APAC. Shout out to Power APAC. They taught me everything I know. Um, and then I graduated high school year early, went to college at University of Cincinnati College Conservatory of Music. I'm still a student there. Um, and it's just been a lot of learning and, 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 and growing and just like figuring it out as I go. Um, but yeah, I guess that's me. 
Right on. Well, there's always something unique and special about the journey that got, you know, folks into doing what they do. So as you've been experiencing this particular production, tell us some of those high key moments for you as you've been bonding with cast members and bringing this story to life. Okay, so um, my journey with the show is actually quite a long journey. I sent in my first audition when I was a freshman in high school. I'm a junior in college now. Um, there was a year skip somewhere in between there, but I've been, I, I, I was, uh, I was, I, I was a fan of the music of the show for so long. Um, and I just kept sending in the self tapes and they kept being like, Hey, can you come to New York? Hey, come, come on audition. And eventually after the pandemic, I was finally able to be in the show. And then they offered me the alternate later on, which was just the biggest blessing, which meant I could, I, I get to play Evan every week. Um, but some of the highs I think have been first off being a black man playing this role, there's not many of us that have done that. Um, and getting to be the last black man to play this role in this production before we close is, um, is, is really special to me just because I, I know this is a show that a lot of people probably don't see themselves in because of how it looked originally. Um, so just being that, and also I think one of my biggest highlights recently was um, February 1st, first day of Black History Month. Um, I got to play Evan, which was, which was really cool because um, you don't, you don't, you don't see a black Evan that often. So I think my, my biggest, like my biggest highlights have just been being to, like, like getting to be able, wait, okay. Getting to be able to be a part of such a, a special group of people. Because like, if you think there's, there's not that many people that have played this role and it's just an honor to be in the little club. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's also the the exciting part about it, too, is when we start to diversify some of these roles that have been well known and played predominantly by white men or, or white women um, on the other spectrum. I love seeing that we're now beginning to break outside of that box and open up the, the opportunities for talented individuals like yourself to really step into that. And when you think about the ways that you are, you know, specifically kind of bringing your lived experience into the role, tell us some of those nuances that maybe you've experienced as you're playing Evan. Um, there, there are things just as simple as like, this is just stuff that I've gone over myself, like knowing how and where I grew up and like how I look and what, what, what an audience member is going to think when I open that laptop at the top of the show and I don't look like the guy on the poster. Um, there are certain lines in the show that have totally different meanings. When I, when I, when I play them, like there's this whole little argument him and his mom have about the Toni Morrison novel Sulu. I mean, Sula. Um, and she calls it Sulu. And there's like this, this whole thing, but like, it there's there's little there's little there's little things in the show that I don't think the the, the regular audience member realizes that really affected me like things as simple as crying because I, I know in the black community there's this whole thing about black men not crying and not 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 feeling emotion which is um, something I wanted to break away from because I, I feel like it's really important to show all all aspects of um, what like mental health is because mental health isn't just a, a white people problem, you know? And I, uh, and also just the, um, I forgot what I was going to say. So, yeah. Well, <laughs> no, that's okay. I mean, you're, you're already talking about some ways that you're bringing some real specificity to how you're playing Evan, which is also really key to, I think how the audience receives yeah. it. And I, that makes me ask, you know, how have you been able to experience that audience kind of reception of you playing Evan when maybe they had some other ideas about it? Uh, tell us a bit about how the audience is receiving uh, you when you're 
out there on that stage. It's always, you can tell in some cities where it's like, oh, oh, because like usually when somebody sees an understudy on, it's just like, oh, that's not the person that I saw whose picture's in the playbill. But like when I, when I, when I start the show, it's first off, he's not the main Evan. He doesn't look like the main Evan. This isn't what I thought this show was, what I look like. This isn't what the Tony Awards performance looks like. This looks like, he looks like nothing that I've really seen in the show, unless you've seen like a Jordan Fisher bootleg. Um, and so that's really, that's really interesting to, and also there's like one of the aspects of the story is that Evan's dad is not there. He's not in the picture. Um, and like having to like the audience, I think the audience catches on a little quicker to like why he's as broken as he is sometimes, because it's like, oh, I understand this. Dad's not there being raised by my white mom. Uh, there's, 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 they, 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 they're on board. It takes a second. It takes a second for them to get on board because they have to get their head around the fact that they're not seeing the person they thought they were going to see. But I think by the end of waving through a window, usually I think they're, they're on the, they're on the train with me. So that's, that's really good. Yeah, that's the beauty of it, right? I mean, the, the beauty of uh, live theater is bringing the audience along with you, you know, for every moment. And uh, particularly when you and, and the rest of the cast is giving it your all, that's the kind of response, you know, that you want. It's a, a lot of shows that I've gone to. It, there's this level of almost call and response, right? And just the audience, you you actually hearing a live audience respond emotionally to the ups and downs of any show. That's really uh, key as well. Well, you mentioned that this is the final run of Dear Evan Hansen. You know, that means that it's like, I'm sure a lot of people are flooding to these cities to come and see it. Uh, and obviously that you, you spoke about it being such a phenomenal asset to you uh, as you're like, yo, I get to be the one of the final Evans that folks are going to see. How do you really respond to that and receive that in terms of the opportunity that it provides you to really allow this show to go out with a bang? Well, I think it's all in like, it's all about being present and like in the moment and kind of like recognizing that, okay, this is the position I'm in and, and just being aware of where you are in space at all times. Um, cause like at, at the end of the day, we're just kind of like, we're, I, you're just kind of riding a surfboard and life is like the wave. And sometimes the wave will knock you down. And then sometimes you'll like surf on the wave and like have a, have a, have a good surf. So I, I think it's, um, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of gratitude. It's a lot of thanking God. It's a lot of just being there in the moment and being grateful to tell the story while I still can, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jeffrey, I'm just so grateful that you were able to give us a, a small insight into this great show. I know it doesn't start until next week, but I'm so grateful that we were able to talk about it today. And I cannot wait to be there to see this show. Uh, I might have to come again just so I could check you out playing Evan. Uh, thank you again for being here. And, you know, if folks want to follow you, if you want to give them your social media handle, and ways that they can follow you uh, and your career. Go ahead, do that right now. Um, I'm at the Jeffrey Cornelius on Instagram, T H E, and you can see the spelling of my name uh, right there, uh, Jeffrey with a R E Y, not an E R Y. But yeah, uh, it's been a pleasure. Yay, absolutely. Well, I'm looking forward to you being here. Safe travels, and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. You as well.
Oh, I'm telling y'all, what a great start to this show to start off with some live theater. It's so great to hear that. Of course, you're going to want to go to stgpresents.org to get your tickets to Dear Evan Hansen. Uh, again, Tony Award winning, other awards. This is one of those shows uh, that is the final run. You do not want to miss out on being able to actually witness this greatness uh, as it closes out. So I'm so glad that it's coming to Seattle before it wrapped up. Make sure you get your tickets today. It starts on the 8th or, your, or the 7th. You're going to want to see this show. Uh, and I'm telling you, it's it's one that I've read so many great reviews on. So I'm excited to see it. Make sure you get your tickets. Well, after this short break, I get to check in with Martin Bakari joining me right here in this studio. He's going to be telling us about his experience with a thousand splendid sons, this phenomenal opera, y'all, that is going on right now at Seattle Opera, as well as a, an amazing upcoming recital he has. So I'm so excited to sit down with Martin right after this short break. Stay tuned, y'all. You're watching The Day with Trey. What's up, everybody? You know, me and Besa, my girl, we had to pull up to Market Street Shoes once again, y'all. And you know, we do this every season. We have to get the new shoes, the new boots, and this time, I even got a coat. Yeah, no, you did walk in without a coat. I really I'm did. glad you found one. But their <laughs> boots were on point. Yes, the boots, the bags. I even grabbed a flannel. Yeah, you did. You know, and I was able to get some hats and everything. I was really impressed. And you know, I was impressed because, of course, I got those white boots that you guys see me wearing everywhere these days. Yeah, no, I, I look at your white boots and I'm like, darn it, they only have one pair. Me and Basin wear the same size. Of course, every time we walk out with several bags in hand. Several bags and sometimes even a backpack, you guys. Make sure you check out Market Street Shoes. Yeah, please check them out. where they go, Basa? Ooh, 2232 Northwest Market Street, Seattle, Washington. This winter, Seattle Opera presents the world premiere of A Thousand Splendid Sons. Based on a best-selling novel by Khalid Hosseini, this new opera tells the breathtaking story of two Afghan women brought together under the brutal Taliban rule. There has never been a more important time for this story to be on stage. Make this world premiere part of your plans today. Don't miss A Thousand Splendid Sons, February 25th through March 11th at McCall Hall. Details at seattleopera.org. A time was had at Sankofa. I got to thank all of the folks who came down and shared their phenomenal stories, the work they're doing in community. Shout out to all of our Converge family who came down and taped their shows there as well. And everyone who made this such a phenomenal time. Of course, y'all know I was inspired by these phenomenal folks and their stories of how their lived experience is paving the way. Thank you, Sankofa Theater. We love and appreciate you. Welcome back, everyone, to The Day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. Joining me right now is Martin Bakari. What's up, Martin? What's up, Trey? Happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, you got the right jacket on with the right vibes, my friend. Well, thank you very much. You know, I was saying that I, I don't often get to wear uh, this jacket to media interviews, but I thought that you and your audience might appreciate it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you right now, I definitely do. Yeah. Well, you know, thank you for joining me. Uh, I was completely blown away by A Thousand Splendid Sons, and I'm so glad that I'll get to go again uh, coming up on the 11th. But I, I want you to just give us your background before we even dive into the show. Uh, 
opera is so specific. And oftentimes you have to have some level of exposure in order to really see it as a career. Tell us about your journey. Sure. Well, I grew up in a small town in Ohio called Yellow Springs. And in that town, there wasn't a whole lot to do but to play sports and to play music. And I did a lot of both. Um, I was I was taking piano lessons with a lady in town uh, who asked me when I was about 16 years old, Martin, you know, you're, you're going to be graduating pretty soon. Uh, do you know what you want to do? And I said, oh, I'm not sure, but I think I want to go into music. And she said, well, what do you want to do in music? And I said, I think I might want to play clarinet because clarinet was the instrument I was best at at the time. Uh, and she said, Martin, I think you should consider auditioning to study voice in college. And I said, oh, really? And she said, yeah, I've heard you in some of these musicals, some of these school musicals that you've been in. And I think you have a real talent. And so I, I didn't know anyone who'd ever studied voice in college. Uh, so it wasn't something that I had ever considered. But I took her advice to heart and I started taking voice lessons. And then about a year later, I did some auditions and I got into several schools. And then I ended up at Boston University. Uh, I didn't realize uh, until I got to Boston University that it was a program that was strictly classical with a focus on opera. Uh, and I didn't know if I wanted to be an opera singer, but I thought, you know, I'm here. I might as well give it a shot. And so the, the more I explored the art form, uh, the more I sang it, uh, the more I realized how amazing opera was and how much it suited my voice. And then I went on to get a master's at Juilliard and I've been singing professionally ever since. Wow. I, you know, I, I, you gotta just shout out to those teachers who just see something in a student uh, like that. It's really inspiring to know that like, here you are now, these years later, really living the this life that just one teacher said, you know what, I think you should try that. Absolutely. It's really great to hear. Yeah. Uh, and I have to say, I don't want to cut you yeah. off, but I mean, you I can say with utmost certainty, had she not mentioned that, mm -hmm. I, I would not be doing what I am today because no one had ever suggested that to me. But I also have to say that um, a major influence for me considering singing opera for a living or even studying it was my first operatic experience was going to see Rigoletto at Dayton Opera. And in the title role uh, was an amazing baritone named Lester Lynch who not only was an incredible singer and actor, but also happened to be a black man from Ohio like me. And so, you know, I obviously at the time was thinking, oh man, you know, I didn't realize people like me did this and let alone did it at the highest level. Uh, and so from the very start, uh, it became clear to me that this was something that I could do uh, and that I wouldn't be limited, um, uh, you know, Obviously, we have certain limitations always in this society, but right. the truth of the matter is, you know, it wasn't something that was completely off limits to me because of who I am. No, I, I love that you interjected that because that that's something that I have found a lot of opera singers from the global majority experience that connection of someone that looks like them in this litany of kind of, you know, what we experience as a lot of folks in black communities say it's a white art form, sure. but it's like what I've been experiencing since going to Seattle Opera is that there's a real level of intentionality to bring more folks from the global majority into the space, shining a light on their talent. And it's been amazing to witness and see. Uh, so I love that you talked about that, that, that anchor too, for you, where you're like, you see it. And again, that exposure to it is key. Um, you know, when you think about the ways that your career has, 
has flourished uh, since you really started. Tell us about some of those moments that are really high key moments for you, characters you've played, operas that were life changing or that really brought your skill to another level. Tell us about some of those moments. Sure. I, I'd say the first really impactful experience I had out of school was uh, going on tour with Wynton Marsalis and the Jazz at Lincoln Center Orchestra, the great jazz trumpeter. Um, I had been a fan of him for most of my life. And so going on tour with him was a, a dream come true, learning so much from him and his band and the great conductor who, who invited me along, a, a guy named Damien Sneed. Um, and, and just having the opportunity to, to each day uh, spend time with these individuals and learn from their brilliance and their experience was, was, was huge for me uh, in, in entering the professional world. Uh, both in terms of the knowledge that I gained, but also the connections that I made uh, with so many of the phenomenal uh, singers and, and 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 musicians on that tour, and you know, on, along the same lines of of jazz, I I have had the opportunity to sing the role of Charlie Parker uh, in an opera called Charlie Parker's Yardbird uh, about the legendary jazz saxophonist. I've done that throughout the country, and Charlie Parker has been one of my great musical idols throughout my life. Uh, so that's another just dream come true. I never would have imagined that there would be an opera about Charlie Parker, let alone um, uh, that I would have the opportunity to portray him and share his story and his genius uh, with the world. Um, you know, I've also had the opportunity, uh, thankfully, to, to travel abroad because of this profession and, you know, being able to sing in major venues in in Hamburg and Dresden and Munich and Bari, Italy and London and Tel Aviv, you know, places that, you know, I grew up in a small town in Ohio. I never knew if I'd have the opportunity to see these places. So being able to travel uh, is certainly one of the great blessings of this profession. Um, however uh, challenging and, and, and stressful uh, it may be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, it, you take on a lot when you're telling some of these stories and so many of them are well known, right? Um, because they get picked up for, by different opera houses. But a lot of times the audience is like, oh yeah, this is my third time seeing this one, sure. right? And yeah. so in terms of the ways that it's portrayed with uh, the the singers, the, the, you guys are actors as well. Like there's so much that's embedded in this. And so it brings me to A Thousand Splendid Sons, which... Uh, honestly, I, I was I was so choked up at the end. It was just such a emotional ride that you go on for this show. Tell us about your experience in this particular show, because it's such a, a different kind of story. But also one of the things that I really walked away with was, uh, again, it was an opener of the way for me to see the similarities in the lives of these Afghan women and in the lives of like women that I grew up around and myself in, included when I think about our our experiences as women from global majority, like non-white women, there's some things that are very culturally specific, but I walked away with such a profound impact from the show. How have you been experiencing uh, this, this amazing, profound story? Well, I mean, I could speak at length about the impact that this show has had on me, but I mean, you bring up a very, a very good point as, as it relates to uh, how similar uh, the experiences of these Afghan women uh, who are trying to exist under Taliban rule in Afghanistan uh, 
can be to women throughout the world. Like you said, the global majority and women of color particularly. And, you know, there's a, a great quote, a horrible quote, but a great quote, um, Malcolm X, I'm, I'm going to butcher it, but it's something along the lines of there is no more disrespected being on the planet than the, than the black woman. And, and, and there are struggles that black women go through that, that I, even I as a black man will never fully understand. Um, but perhaps uh, black women and just people in general, because we're, you know, people of color particularly are, are, are oppressed to some degree throughout this world, will be able to identify with these women uh, in this show. And just to give a little bit of background about uh, A Thousand Splendid Sons, uh, it's based on the novel uh, by Khaled Hosseini, best-selling novel, uh, great author who also wrote uh, The Kite Runner, which is also a very, very popular book. Um, and it's about these um, two women who um, showed just great strength and courage and resilience uh, as they come together um, uh, to try to exist and somehow flourish uh, under Taliban rule in Afghanistan. And it's, it's a piece that is directed by uh, Roya Sadat, who is an award-winning uh, Afghan film director. Uh, and the music by Sheila Silver is really just absolutely stunning. Um, it's obviously a very heavy piece, but uh, a very important piece to see, uh, I think, for anyone in any time, but particularly now because the Taliban is taking control over Afghanistan yet again. Um, and, you know, it's believe it or not, there is some 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 humor and some levity in it. And there's actually a really uh, a really touching love story as well. Um, but for me, it's it's just been moving each and every day, particularly to see uh, the women in this show um, just have to live the struggle of these of these characters. I, I don't know how they do it. I remember thinking to myself, um, man, there's a Saturday night performance opening night and then a Sunday afternoon, a few hours later performance, a matinee. I don't know how just even emotionally, let alone yeah. vocally and physically, these women are going to get through it. But it was it was inspiring, honestly, to see. I couldn't believe it at the very end um, when these women even had the energy uh, to be able to take a bow. It was it was it was really something to witness. Yeah. You know, I think uh, the audience is, again, on for the ride of every, you know, scene uh, that shares uh, this intimacy to a certain degree about their perspective of their lives. And I was, uh, again, I was just so, so moved by it. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it again. Cause you know, sometimes you miss some things the first run and I've witnessed that too, where I've gone to a show again and I'm like, Oh my God, I, like I completely missed out on that. Cause I was maybe focused on this other part of the stage, but I, I got to talk about the set design because when you're talking about this, this film director, knowing how to pull this show together on the stage, the idea of it being two sides of the same coin, when you see Layla's house on one side and you see uh, Maria's, uh, Maria's house on another, like the ideas of it being like this two sides of the same coin and yet it being so different. It was like a real 180. And I was so moved by that, seeing the set move in that way. And I thought to myself, the level of intentionality and purpose that that played in terms of 
furthering the storytelling of this show was just phenomenal. So again, I'm excited to come and see it, but you're also going to be doing a recital next month. Tell us about that recital because you're, you're paying homage to a, another great. That's right. So I will be joining uh, two of my dear friends from the area, uh, a wonderful soprano named Elena Lewis, who lives in West Seattle, and uh, an incredible pianist named Joe Williams from Tacoma. Uh, we're coming together to uh, present a celebration uh, of uh, the great African-American poet, Paul Lawrence Dunbar. Um, Dunbar was born in the, uh, in the I think around, I think it was 1872, he was born and he was the son of two former slaves. And then he would go on to become uh, really the first influential black poet in American literature. And he would gain international acclaim for his work. Um, I think perhaps his most famous poem is Sympathy, which has the line, I know why the caged bird sings, which would become the title of Maya Angelou's autobiography. Um, and so we thought, you know, he, he just celebrated the 150th anniversary of his birth. And we thought, you know, it would be cool to uh, present a program of uh, the many songs that have been inspired by his writing. So you'll hear music from several great black composers and you'll also hear uh, music set to poems by uh, Langston Hughes um, as, as somebody who, who was very, very influenced by the work of Dunbar. So uh, this, this recital will take place on April 4th uh, at Seattle Opera, and uh, tickets are available on the Seattle Opera website. Oh, yes. Well, it sounds like I need to be putting that date in my calendar as so. well. Martin, thank you so much for coming through today, sharing your experience, your journey, and particularly, you know, thank you for the work you do to really exemplify what it can look like for a young black male who may be in the audience who can then see himself in the show because you are there. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Oh, of course, I get to wrap up all of this amazing artistic discussion right after this short break, y'all. Stay tuned. You're watching The Day with Trey. What up, y'all? T-Dub here, as always, bringing you the news and art funding and opportunities. This year's Four Culture Project grants are live now, and here's what you need to know to apply. Four Culture Project grants fund cultural activities and projects throughout King County. If you are an individual or group with arts, heritage, or preservation at its core, then this funding is for you. And if you're new to the grant application process, Four Culture hosts virtual workshops and has a team of grant managers ready to assist you in the process. The deadline to apply is March 23rd. Head over to fourculture.org for more. Welcome back, everybody, to The Day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. What a fantastic, I told y'all, a wonderful Wednesday was in the works for you. And I do not like to disappoint y'all. I'm so grateful that Jeffrey was able to join us and share his experience playing this iconic character of Evan and what it means to him and his career, but also the ways that the audience gets to experience his greatness in this role. Y'all are going to want to go to SCG presents.org and get your tickets to that show. Uh, last final run happening right here. Make sure you get your tickets. And of course, uh, in studio, I've got to thank Martin Bakari for being here. What a great conversation that we were able to have, not only about his journey into opera, but also about the important message of a thousand splendid sons. Uh, 
it is still going on right now at Seattle Opera. Make sure you guys go to Seattle Opera's website. Get your tickets today. You will not be disappointed. And if you're one of those folks who are like, well, I don't know about opera. I've never gone. This is one of those stories that will just grip you from beginning to end. So please, you know, support this amazing show. Get your tickets. Bring your friends and family. Get folks to come out and really experience the phenomenal story that is told there and you have another opportunity to see martin on april 4th right back at seattle opera for this amazing tribute i mean you're talking about one of the biggest black icons in poetry make sure y'all come out experience his voice along with some amazing composers as well. So excited that he is also doing that. So I've given y'all several different options to dive into some artistic works happening right here in the city. If you don't live in Seattle, just make it a date night. Come on down and enjoy yourself. It's so great to know that we have such phenomenal shows hitting our city and hitting our area. Let's support these shows so that they know Seattle audiences, we know how to support, we know how to show up, and we know how to give love. Of course, I'm inspired by Jeffrey Ann Martin. I want y'all to be inspired too. They found ways to see themselves as a part of the solution by continuing these art forms and by being amazing representations on stages for live theater to continue to grow and persist and bring the diversity that's so necessary for all of us to see ourselves in these shows. So I want y'all to be as inspired as, inspired as I was by their stories and find your way to see yourself as a part of the solution for me until tomorrow at 11 a.m y'all peace Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.